Hello, this podcast is called True Crime Nightmare and I cover solved and unsolved murder cases from the UK and also from around the world. This is episode 20. This is the unsolved murder case of Grace Livingstone from Ireland. Grace Livingstone was married to James and they had a son and a daughter together. The son, Connor, was 20 years old at the time of his mother's murder and the daughter, Tara was 22 years old. She was living in France in 1992 when the murder took place. Grace and James had met many years before and although considered to be opposites they hit it off and had a reasonably happy marriage by all accounts. Grace Livingstone had enjoyed flower arranging as well as gardening in general and also she had enjoyed anything to do with nature. The family lived in a quiet cul-de-sac in a place called the Moorings in a town called Malahide which is in North Dublin in the Republic of Ireland. There were only half a dozen or so houses in the quiet cul-de-sac. On the Tuesday that the murder took place, which was the 7th of December of 1992, the Livingstone's daughter, Tara, was away in France and their son was working locally and still living at home with the family. The timeline of the 7th of December of 1992 for the Livingstone's family were fairly typical of most days of that week. Grace Livingstone said goodbye to her husband James at 8.25 in the morning as he left to drive to work. He worked for the Revenue Commissioners, which basically meant he dealt with taxes at um, Satana House in the busy city centre. James also gave his son a lift and because he was part of a carpool, he collected his colleague Art O'Connor on the way into work. Grace Livingstone attended morning mass at her local church at about nine o'clock in the morning. After mass, she went to her local supermarket to buy some groceries before heading home again. Once Grace was back at the house, she chatted to a neighbour for a while before going inside. Grace went indoors at about midday. Another neighbour, a lady called Anne Watchorn, spoke to Grace that day in the porchway of Grace's front door. They spoke for a short time at about two o'clock in the afternoon. Afterwards, Anne went back to her house and Grace went back inside her house. This was at about ten past two that afternoon. There were many neighbours and people about, either in their gardens or in the cul-de-sac itself, as well as other people just coming and going just like any other day in most towns and cities everywhere. It was a weekday and it was also just a few weeks before Christmas, so a fair amount of activity was going on in the area. Although, as it would turn out later, something unusual did actually happen and many witnesses later remembered either seeing or hearing something that would take on more significance after the news of the murder became known. James Livingstone arrived home from work at about 5.50pm. He had been at work all day. When James went into the house, he noticed that apart from the landing light, the house was in darkness. He went upstairs to try and find Grace, after establishing that she was not downstairs at all. 
When James got upstairs, he noticed one of his many firearms, a .22 rifle, leaning against a door. This rifle would usually be under lock and key, so it stood out immediately as wrong to James. He headed towards the master bedroom that he shared with Grace and found that it was in complete darkness. He switched the light on and discovered his wife had a lot of blood around her head and she was lying on the bed. He had found her just lying there. He also noticed that she had been bound and that someone had used black tape to bind her hands and feet together and they had also used black tape across her mouth to gag her. It was a time before mobile phones were readily available so James Livingstone left the house to try and raise the alarm. Livingstones did have a landline phone but for some reason he did not use this at first. When he returned to the house a few minutes later he did use it to call for help but first of all he left the house and ran to his neighbour's house. The neighbour was Anne Watchhorn who Grace had spoken to just a few hours earlier however Anne was out at this time. He went to try and find another neighbour in the cul-de-sac. This time he found someone in who he knew. She was a lady called Margaret Murphy, who was a nurse. James headed back to the house on his own and phoned the emergency services. He was still talking to them on the telephone when Margaret arrived at the house to try and help. The telephone call to the emergency services was logged at 5.58pm, so not very much time had gone by from when James had initially arrived home from work to when he made the emergency call. A Dr Barry Modley would pronounce Grace Livingstone dead at 6.35pm. He stated that he believed she had been dead for around two hours. When Grace was found lying on her bed, she had been wearing an apron, black trousers, two cardigans and a camisole top. It was later established that a shotgun belonging to her husband was the actual weapon used to kill her. She had been shot in the head. The shotgun itself was found outside in the garden of the Livingstones property. The shotgun, according to James, would usually be locked away in a wardrobe in the house. In total, James Livingstone kept eight weapons and not all of them were licensed. No fingerprints were found on the murder weapon. Many witnesses came forward with information about what they had either seen or heard around about the time that it was thought Grace had been murdered. Four of the Livingstone's near neighbours came forward as potential witnesses in the aftermath of Grace Livingstone's murder. The whole neighbourhood was deeply shocked and saddened, not to mention extremely worried about what had happened and because no one had been arrested to begin with, they were obviously concerned about their safety and the safety of their families as well. Four people had reported to the police that they had heard a loud unexplained noise at around the time that the murder took place, which was initially said to be at about 4.30pm. The time of death would later be questioned and changed to after 6pm. The police did not know if the loud noises that had apparently been heard were significant or if they had been a completely innocent reason for it. Loud noises are not uncommon, common, especially during the day. You notice them more at night 
but during the day there could probably be many reasons for noises to be heard in a town. Some people came forward with potential sightings of a long-haired man who was a stranger and he appeared in the area at the time and he hadn't been seen before or since. This so-called long-haired stranger had been seen by a local gardener during the afternoon when Grace was murdered. Some local schoolgirls had also reported seeing a long-haired man who was a stranger to them and he was in the area at the time while they had been walking home from school. Another potential sighting of the so-called long-haired man was reported by a motorist who was in the area at the time. The first motorist had supposedly seen the long-haired stranger driving a red car erratically in the area in the afternoon of Grace's murder. He had witnessed the erratic driver at about 4 or 5pm that day. The Irish police never managed to trace the long-haired man and his identity remains a mystery still today. According to sources at the time, the police thought that the loud noises had actually come from workmen who had been working in the area at the time of the tragedy. Suspicions quickly appeared to land on Grace Livingstone's husband, James. The police certainly appeared to suspect him, which is not unusual in these cases, but James Livingstone had a cast-iron alibi. He had been at work all day and had been observed many times at his desk in his office. He left the office and went for a swim locally at lunchtime, but he also went with some of his colleagues so he was never on his own for any length of time. He had given a lift to not only his son, but a colleague, both to the office, and in the case of the work colleague, he took him home again afterwards. So he did not have the opportunity to sneak back home and murder his wife, and then go back to the office. James Livingstone worked at the Revenue Commissioners, which had a special investigations unit that he had set up himself to target tax evaders. He had run the unit for about 14 years at the time his wife had been brutally shot. Over the years, he had gone after many people who had tried to evade paying their fair share of taxes. Some of the people that he had targeted were known criminals and, and other people who had tried to hide their money in offshore bank accounts. James Livingstone was keen to help the police find the killer and happy to provide as much information and assistance as he could in the hope that it would lead to the person who killed his wife, Grace. He gave the clothes that he had been wearing that day when Grace had been murdered to the police so that they could be forensically examined, which they were. He also provided names to the police of any potential suspects that he thought could have had something to do with the murder. However, the police were still looking at James Livingstone as the main suspect, it would seem. A second doctor who had also examined Grace Livingstone put the time of death as being later than the first doctor had given. The new time of death was a few hours later at about 6pm instead of between 4 and 5pm. James Livingstone had always denied having any involvement in his wife's murder and no evidence has ever been found which would implicate him at all. In August 1993, the Irish police completed their investigation file into Grace's murder and effectively named Great James Livingstone as 
the chief suspect in the case. However, he has not been charged and even after the many years that have followed since the murder, no one has ever been charged with Grace's murder. The police do have some evidence available if they do have a viable suspect in the coming years. They found a fingerprint on the black tape that had been crudely used to tie and gag Grace. Despite many people giving samples of their fingerprints, including a group of charity workers who had been in the area close to the time of the murder, no match has ever been found so far. The long-haired stranger has never been identified, despite lots of publicity, especially at the time of the murder. A case review was set up to look into the unsolved murder. This took place 24 years after Grace had been murdered, but again, no developments have been made in this case at all. James Livingstone sold the house that he had shared with his wife and children, but he still lives in the same town, Malahide. He is now in his early 80s and remains close to Grace's extended family. Grace's sister spends Christmas every year with James and his children. He also now has grandchildren, which his wife has missed out on, which is very sad. Hopefully this horrible murder will be solved eventually and the person responsible will be put away and hopefully that person has not gone on to murder anybody else in the years since Grace Livingstone was brutally murdered in her own home. for listening credits for this episode mainly go to the independent newspaper group thank you very much mm-hmm.